Chapter Six of the Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Laurent. At this moment, our heroines heard the clock strike from the Church of Saint Louis. Ah, mon Dieu! A quarter to twelve! They cried in terror. See, all the doors are shut," said Andrea. "Oh, that is nothing." for if they were open we would not go in here let us go round by the reservoirs and they turned to the right where there was a private entrance when they arrived there the door is shut andrea said the elder lady rather uneasily let us knock madame no we will call laurent must be waiting for me for i told him perhaps i should return late i will call said andrea approaching the door who is there said a voice from inside oh it is not laurent said she terrified it is not the other lady advanced and called softly laurent no answer laurent again she called louder there is no laurent here replied the voice rudely but said andrea whether he be here or not open the door i cannot open it but laurent would have opened it immediately i have my orders was all the reply who are you then rather who are you rude as the question was it was no time to find fault so they answered we are ladies of her majesty's suite we lodge in the castle and we wish to get home well i madames am a suisse of the selishamada company and i shall do just the contrary of laurent for i shall leave you at the door oh murmured the ladies in terror and anger then making an effort over herself the elder lady said my friend i understand that you are obeying orders and i do not quarrel with you for that it is a soldier's duty only do me the favor to call laurent he cannot be far distant i cannot quit my post then send some one i have no one to send for pity's sake oh mon dieu sleep in the town that is no great thing if i were shut out of the barracks i would soon find a bed listen said the lady again you shall have twenty louis if you open this door and twelve years at the galleys no thank you forty-eight francs a year is not sufficient pay for that i will get you made a sergeant yes and he who gave me the order will have me shot and who did give you the order the king the king cried they oh we are lost is there no other door oh madame if this one is closed be sure all the others will be so also said andrea you are right andrea tis a horrible trick of the king she said with a contempt almost menacing 
there was a sort of bank outside the door which they sank down upon in despair they could see the light under the door and could hear the steps of the sentinel as he paced to and fro within this little door was salvation without shame and scandal oh to-morrow to-morrow when they will find out murmured the elder lady you will tell the truth madame but shall i be believed oh we can prove it besides the soldier will not stay all night he will be relieved and perhaps his successor will be more complacent yes but the patrol will pass directly and will find me here waiting outside it is infamous i am suffocated with rage oh take courage madame you who are always so brave it is a plot andrea in order to ruin me this door is never closed oh i shall die at this moment they heard a step approaching and then the voice of a young man singing gaily as he went along that voice cried the lady i know it i am sure oh yes madame he will save us a young man wrapped up in a fur riding-coat came quickly up and without noticing them knocked at the door and called laurent brother said the elder lady touching him on the shoulder the queen cried he taking off his hat hush said she you are not alone no i am with mademoiselle andrea de tavernay oh good evening mademoiselle good evening monseigneur are you going out madame asked he no then you are going in we wish to do so have you not called laurent yes we have but but what you call laurent and you will see the young man whom the reader has perhaps already recognized as the comte d'artois approached and again called laurent i warn you answered from within the voice of the suisse that if you torment me any more i will go and fetch my commanding officer who is this asked the count turning round in astonishment to the queen a swiss who has been substituted for laurent by whom by the king the king yes he told us so himself and with orders most strictly apparently diable we must capitulate what do you mean she asked offer him money i have already done so and he has refused it offer him promotion i have offered that also but he would not listen then there is but one way what to make a noise my dear charles you will compromise us not the least in the world you keep in the background i will knock like thunder and shout like a madman they will open at last and you can slide in with me try then the young prince began calling laurent knocking at the door and striking with his sword till at last the swiss said 
Ah, well, I will call my officer. Go and call him. That is just what I want. They soon heard other steps approaching. The queen and Andrea kept close, ready to slip in if the door should open. Then they heard the Swiss say, It is a gentleman, lieutenant, who insists on coming in. Well, I suppose that is not astonishing as we belong to the castle, said the count. It is no doubt a natural wish, but a forbidden one replied the officer. Forbidden? By whom? Morbleu. By the king. But the king would not wish an officer of the castle to sleep outside. Sir, I am not the judge of that. I have only to obey orders. Come, lieutenant, open the door. We cannot talk through this oak. Sir, I repeat to you that my orders are to keep it shut, and if you are an officer, as you say, you know that I must obey. Lieutenant, you speak to the colonel of a regiment. Excuse me, then, colonel, but my orders are positive. But they cannot concern a prince. Come, sir, a prince cannot be kept out. My prince, I am in despair, but the king has ordered. The king has ordered you to turn away his brother? Like a beggar or a robber? I am the Comte d'Artois, sir. Mordieu, you keep me here freezing at the door. Monseigneur, God is my witness that I would shed my blood for your royal highness. But the king gave me his orders in person and confiding to me the charge of this door, ordered me not to open to anyone, should it be even himself, after eleven o'clock. Therefore, Monseigneur, I ask your pardon humbly for disobeying you, but I am a soldier, and were it Her Majesty the Queen who asked admittance, I should be forced most unwillingly to refuse." Having said this, the officer turned away and left the place. "'We are lost,' said the queen. "'Do they know that you are out?' asked the count. "'Alas, I know not. "'Perhaps then this order is leveled against me. "'The king knows I often go out at night and stay late. "'Madame la Comtesse d'Artois must have heard something and complained to him.' and hence this tyrannical order ah no brother i thank you for trying to reassure me but i feel that it is against me these precautions are taken impossible sister the king has too much esteem meanwhile i am left at the door and to-morrow a frightful scandal will be the result i know well i have an enemy near the king it is possible However, I have an idea. What? Only be quick, if you can but save us from the ridicule of his position. It is all I care for. Oh, I will save you. I am not more foolish than he, for all his learning. Then whom? Ha! My dear, the Comte de Provence. Ah, then you also know my enemy. 
Is he not the enemy of all that are young and beautiful, of all who are better than himself? Count, I believe you know something about this order. Perhaps, but do not let us stop here. Come with me, dear sister. Where? You shall see. Somewhere where at least you will be warm, and en route I will tell you all I know about this. Take my arm, sister, and you the other, Mademoiselle de Tavernay, and let us turn to the right. Well, but now go on, said the queen. This evening, after the king's supper, he came to his cabinet. He had been talking all day to Count Haga. You had not been seen. No, at two o'clock I left to go to Paris. I know it. The king, allow me to tell you, dear sister, was thinking no more about you than about Haroun al-Rashid, or his vizier Giafar, and was talking geography. I listened with some impatience, for I also wanted to go out. Probably not with the same object as you. Where are we going? interrupted the queen. Oh, close by. Take care. There is a snow heap. Mademoiselle de Tavernay, if you leave my arm, you will certainly fall. But to the return to the king, he was thinking of nothing but latitude and longitude, when Monsieur de Provence said to him, I should like to pay my respects to the queen. The queen sups at home, replied the king. Oh, I believed her at Paris. No, she is at home, said the king quietly. I have just come from there and been denied to her, said Monsieur de Provence. Then I saw the king frown. He dismissed us and doubtless went to make inquiries. Louis is jealous by fits, you know. He must have asked to see you and being refused become suspicious. Yes, Madame de Misery had orders to do so. Then, to know whether you were out or not, he has given these strict orders. Oh, it is shameful treatment. Confess, is it not? Indeed, I think so. But here we are. This house? Does it displease you? No, I do not say that. It is charming. But your servants? Well? If they see me? Come in, sister, and I will guarantee that no one sees you, not even whoever opens the door. Impossible. We will try, said he, laughing, and laying his hand on one of the panels, the door flew open. Enter, I pray you, said he. There is no one near. The queen looked at Andrea, then, making up her mind, went in, and the door shut behind them. She found herself in a vestibule, small but ornamented in perfect taste. The floor was mosaic work, representing bouquet of flowers, while numerous rose-trees on marble brackets scented the air with a perfume equally delicious as rare at that time of the year. It looked also charming that the ladies began to forget their fears and scruples. "'So far well,' said the queen, "'we have a shelter at all events, and seemingly a very charming one. But you had better see to one thing.' that is, to keep off your servants. Oh, nothing more easy, said the prince. 
seizing a little bell which hung on one of the pillars, rang one clear stroke. Oh! cried the queen, frightened. Is that the way to keep them off? I should have thought it would bring them. If I had rung again, it would have done so. But when I only ring once, they know they are not wanted. Oh! you are a man of precaution said the queen laughing now dear sister take the trouble to go upstairs let us obey said the queen the genius of this place appears not disagreeable and they went up their steps making no sound on the thick abusong carpet at the top the prince rang another bell which gave them a fresh start of surprise and their astonishment increased when they saw the doors open of themselves. "'Really, Andrea,' said the queen, "'I begin to tremble. Do not you?' "'Oh, madame, I shall follow fearlessly wherever your majesty goes.' "'Enter,' said the prince, "'for here is your apartment.' And he ushered them into a charming little room, furnished en bulle, with a painted ceiling and walls and a rosewood floor it opened onto a boudoir fitted up with white cashmere beautifully embroidered with groups of flowers and hung with tapestry of exquisite workmanship beyond the boudoir was a bedroom painted blue hung with curtains of silk and lace and with a sumptuous bed in an alcove a fire burned on the hearth and a dozen perfumed wax lights in candelabra such were the marvels which presented themselves to the eyes of the wondering ladies no living being was to be seen fire and lights seemed to have come without hands the queen stopped on the threshold of the bedroom looking half afraid to enter sister said the count these are my bachelor apartments here i come alone always asked the queen doubtless answered he i understand now said the queen why madame la comtesse is sometimes unquiet confess however that if she is unquiet to-night it will be without reason to-night i do not say but other nights then sitting down i am dreadfully tired she said are not you andrea i can scarcely stand and if your majesty permits indeed you look ill mademoiselle said the count you must go to bed said the queen monsieur le comte gives us up this room do you not charles entirely madame one moment count if you go away how can we recall you you will not need me you are mistress of this house but there are other rooms certainly there is a dining-room which i advise you to visit with a table ready spread no doubt oh yes and mademoiselle de tavernay who seems to me to need it much will find there jellies or chicken and wine and you sister plenty of those fruits you are so fond of and no servants none we will see but how to return you must not think of returning to-night at six o'clock the gates will be opened 
go out a quarter before you will find in these drawers mantles of all colors and all shapes if you wish to disguise yourselves go therefore to the chateau regain your rooms go to bed and all will be right but you what will you do oh i am going away we turn you out my poor brother it is better for me not to remain in the same house with you but you must sleep somewhere do not fear i have three other houses like this the queen laughed <laughs> he pretends madame la comtesse has no cause to be anxious oh i will tell her you dare not it is true we are dependent upon you then to go away to-morrow morning without seeing any one you must ring once as i did below and the door will open by itself by itself then good-night brother good-night sister he bowed and disappeared end of chapter six recording by john van stan savannah georgia